This is your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes jam-packed with up-to-the-minute news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice every weekday. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. And happy Veterans Day to all you veterans out there. Sometimes... People think that I'm, I get some really irate callers when I'm on WSB on a, on a holiday that honors soldiers. And that's because I am staunchly anti intervention. I would say I am anti war, but I do believe in wars of self defense. I believe in the right to self defense. I believe that the existence of the government is justified solely based on our delegating the right of self-defense to them, sharing it with them, not relinquishing it to them. My father was a World War II veteran. He signed up. He actually, I think, had to lie about his age or his eyesight or something to get on there. He was very young. He was in World War II. And my brother was a Vietnam-era vet. He was stationed in Thailand. I respect the sacrifices they make and... I believe that the best and most courageous and goodwilled people go into that field. And I think that we should not disrespect them by using their efforts for political purposes. And if you want to know how cynical the elites are when it comes to this kind of thing, I highly recommend today reading the report from Iron Mountain. The report from Iron Mountain, you can probably get it on PDF it's very interesting. It's basically true. It's under, it's a little controversial, but the, you're not going to get the wrong impression of how things work by you if you read it and take it seriously. And Binkley, I have a question for you, a favor to ask, I think. What's that? Remember uh, a, uh, a generous, one of our many generous donors and Patreons said that he had a hard time finding the books that we said that we refer to. And that he wanted us to kind of like make a note of it. Yeah. So I was thinking, I can't go back. We can't go backwards. But would it be a lot of trouble for you to mark if we make a reference like that and put it when you post the show on thepropreport.com, put it in those show notes? Yeah, I can do that. That would be great. So we're going to say the report from Iron Mounts and the PDF. I'll find it for you, the PDF, and you can put that as a link there. So I just uh, thought this would be an opportunity to tell people that that is definitely a good read. I'm very interested in what you think about it. You can actually go to the press pool on thepropreport.com and we can have kind of a forum discussion on that if you're interested. So this week, the impeachment update that's about to go to the next season of the impeachment Great. show. Yes, aren't you excited about the that? The open hearings section. Yep, November 13th, Wednesday. Starts the open hearings. The first guy is going to be Bill Taylor, the charge d'affaires to Ukraine and the most well-respected, honorable diplomat in American history or whatever until he says something they don't like and then it's going to get all Mueller on you. They've been talking about these open hearings since Friday and they don't happen till Wednesday. So we're getting like a buildup, almost like this is a WWF championship match and... Mind you, all of these people have already testified behind closed doors, and they're testifying again with certain aspects of their testimony being selected and refined, the messaging refined, specifically to try and influence public opinion, not to try and find the truth. This is specifically to try and propagandize the public, and they were, they've been – I've heard this theme 
across a number of stations that the messaging basically is what they're saying needs to be dumbed down because, and this is what they say, the American public just can't comprehend Latin and doesn't know how to understand quid pro quo. Look, I get when we hear quid pro quo, maybe the first few times you might have to look up and say, what does quid pro quo mean again? But to say the American people are too stupid to understand Latin and understand that a quid pro quo is this for that, and they have to change the messaging to bribery and and deceit is what they're going to be doing. They'll be saying bribery a whole lot. It just insults the American public, in my opinion. And it plays into a theme that I think is actually emerging on the left, or at least among Democrats. It's not really a left-right thing. It's Democrat partisanship. Where Trump's existence is is cause for concern for the legitimacy of democracy. Democracy kind of needs to be modified. You kind of have to. It's almost like the way, like in history, in English history, there were lords. The lords were running the show, and then they had a House of Commons where people could actually vote, but like they shared power. The way our history was. Congress was by the people's vote and the Senate was put in by legislators at the state level. I mean, I've talked to Democrats or heard them talking where they there's like a, a new crisis of democracy that people look at how bad it gets when you actually give them this kind of power. And you've played clips like that from on the propaganda report. Like of that chick, remember? I can't remember who it was, but she said something about like curated democracy or something you remember that? oh yeah those from the brookings institute it was an extinction rebellion woman i can't remember what she called it but that's she, a climate thing extinction yeah rebellion? extinction rebellion. That's, the, that's the group that glues themselves to the side of buildings yeah and oh i wonder if they'll glue themselves to the side of the building where greta's mural is painted in san francisco maybe maybe <laughs> but, uh, that that group she was talking. She equated it to Athenian democracy, but what it sounded like she was saying was that they need to select the people that are the technocrats, basically, and then the masses. That they give the illusion that the masses have control, but they just put these technocrats in control. These different sects of society. It's funny that she would throw back to the Greeks because the Greek democracy was elite. Like the democracy only was among like the free men, free white males, whatever, which was a fraction of society. And even if you go Plato there, his he's all collectivist and everything. He had the philosopher king. He had you taking you had you labeling and sorting out children. Yeah. To be what role they were going to play. I mean, this stuff. And I I really see all of it playing into that. And I think that we're going to see some ambiguity in the impeachment hearings. I mean, obviously I think that, and I know you're not going to argue with me there. No, it's going to be a lot of ambiguity. There's no, there's going to be no smoking gun for either side. Although both sides are going to feel, no, they don't, Yeah, they don't want it to be. So there's a couple like Trump is saying, you know, shifty Schiff, Adam Schiff is making all this stuff up. And I mean, the, the, his talk about the whistleblower, he was saying, I want to read a tweet from Trump, but I don't want to interrupt what you were saying. I think I wrapped up my point. I, okay. I don't think yeah. I think with the quid pro quo thing, they've been shifting that. And I've heard Pelosi say time and time again, it's not about a quid pro quo. And I think the reason isn't because they think people don't understand the Latin of quid pro right. quo. I think it's because the aid was given and there was no investigation right. of Biden announced. So there was no quid pro quo. There might have been the opportunity the for a quid pro quo. But- 
you pointed out that was in Hillary's transcripts, too. Absolutely. You could probably find that a thousand times. And yeah. that's what Blagojevich went to jail for in Illinois for suggesting that Obama, that there be a quid pro quo before he gives up the Senate seat. Remember that whole story? No. Blagojevich was the governor when Barack Obama went to become president and vacated a Senate seat. And it was in the governor's control to put somebody in that seat until there could be a new election. And he was recorded saying, Obama wants to pick his replacement. It doesn't work that way. You don't get nothing for nothing. Yeah. You, know, you don't get something for nothing. And he went to jail for that. Now, he, there was so much corruption on the phone call that they got that I really don't have a lot of sympathy for him. Yeah. It's so telling, though, if you went back and listened to that phone call. But his thing with with it's just that quid pro quos is how it works all the time. That all is, the time. I would say, all the time. So, and there's got to be evidence up the wazoo for it. And in this case, it'll be very hard to prove because the suggestion of the quid pro quo isn't even crystal clear. Yeah, that's the argument. And, over, but the he, reality of it is crystal clear. It did not ha- not happen. Yeah, it did not happen. They got the aid, and he did not make the public announcement. They're making it dependent on, so they're trying to muddy the waters. But you're right. Quid pro quo is standard operation. We don't just give aid and stuff because we're altruistic, and we just want to be kind to everybody else. We do it because we expect things back, just like every other country does it. Yeah, That's- it's actually worse, I think, than people think with the aid. I, I was talking to an Uber driver, my like favorite source of foreign <laughs> cultural insight. And he said that I, he was from Ethiopia. And I was like, wow, you know, all that stuff about the, the starvation, everything. He said, yeah, it was totally overrated, overreported. It wasn't that bad. I grew up during that time. And all the aid that you guys generated to bring over, all it was used for, it wasn't even just to grease palms. It was to... It was to fund activists and people on the ground, like Ethiopians, to create a different political world there with our money. They just went in and found people who would do our bidding and gave them money, and that was it. It wasn't like food or anything. And he insisted over and over again. He's like, you don't understand. It wasn't some of this and some of that. It was 100% used for that, and they emphasized this. Uh, the famine to get that money. So I'm saying aid is purely, and I read in that Paul Johnson book, uh, like a 800 page summary of American history <laughs> that, that, that our, that American standing abroad, the opinion of America abroad was inversely correlated with how much aid we gave. So when we started giving foreign aid with either Truman or Johnson or whatever, when it really stepped up, and he said, because he's an apologist, I believe, for the establishment, he said it's because people resent charity. But I think it's because, in reflecting what we actually do with it, that it's because it's it's intervention in all of their politics, and they don't like it. It's not aid at all. They don't want to be grateful. Why would they be grateful? Yeah. And I think that's what Obama's father was doing over in Kenya for the British, honestly. But I didn't get to my tweet yet. Yeah, well, go ahead. Right. I will say that... It- one thing that's being overlooked in this whole Ukraine thing is British the British role in the Russian interference scandal. We'll go back to the Chatham House. What about it? Well, the British are the ones who are behind the spreading of the Russian dossier. Sir Andrew Wood of the Chatham House and Christopher Steele. That's not I, – I have a couple of British connections with the Ukraine thing, but I wouldn't say that's, that's – a. I would say that's two steps removed or one step removed from Ukraine, strictly Russian stuff. Yeah, I, what I'm saying is that the British are 
the high the elites the British elites are far more responsible for the Russian interference psyop than the Ukraine is. Oh yes, oh yes, yes. Uh, and in as far as the British go regarding Ukraine, they're definitely knee deep in it. I think because Catherine Ashton was Brit is British, and she was the EU person who got the report and did nothing about it. That snipers shot people on both sides of the Maidan protests. It was. It was a British bank. It was in London where uh, Zlochevsky's money was being held, the Burisma guy that we wanted to have pursued. We wanted him to be brought up on anti-corruption charges. And when when he wasn't, it was the, the British who had to let that money go. So you're right. I mean, I think that it's fair to say that the British have something to do with this. And, uh, and you know, when... Victoria Newland said F the EU. She wasn't necessarily including England because we see how their relationship is not one of mutual loyalty, EU and England. Yeah. So so here's the tweet from Trump. The lawyer for the, Trump tweets, the lawyer six, six hours ago, I don't know. The lawyer for the whistleblower takes away all credibility from this big impeachment scam. It should be ended and the whistleblower, his lawyer and corrupt politician Schiff should be investigated and fraud investigared for fraud it says <laughs> but there's a lot in there in that that i knew it was going to be about the lawyer the whistleblower's lawyer can i get a little prop for that yeah remember yeah. in the beginning i was you like did. it's gonna you be about the that. lawyers and that he he this refers also to what this makes reminds me of a news interview whatever press um, an interaction with the press trump had on friday where he was saying the whistleblower is a disgrace, this lawyer is a disgrace, the whistleblower should be outed just because he's a disgrace, the whistleblower's lawyer should be sued possibly even for treason. And and I keep seeing this recurring theme that Schiff was behind it all, that Schiff was ahead of it, that Schiff was in on it before the whistleblower filed the IG complaint. And I think that when the impeachment stuff goes public, there's going to be some ambiguity. They're going to try to flip the scripts like that so that it's going to be Schiff on the hot seat. I think you're going to have some pendulum swinging with this now that it's entering season two. Yeah, that's setting up the dialectic because the lawyer did tweet out about the coup starting and CNN is going to be a major And Trump part of was, it. was reading those coup, those tweets. He would, Trump was reading the tweets like at a rally or something of that lawyer yeah. from a couple of years ago. So that that is for sure going somewhere. I think it's funny hearing the impeachment argument from the left about where they say the whistleblower's name is irrelevant because everything that was laid out in the complaint has been proven, has been corroborated. Yet these are the same people who, when a bunch of stuff about Hillary Clinton came out th about through WikiLeaks that had been corroborated, dismissed it automatically as fake news because they said WikiLeaks was Russian. So all of a sudden, they care about the content and not just the source. It's like it was flipped before. When, when stuff was coming from WikiLeaks and it was releasing things about Hillary that were true, they were saying, no, 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 that's debunked fake news because they're Russian. It comes from Russia, but now they said now they're saying the whistleblower doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who it is. The content's been proven. Actually, I I get your point. It's a good point, but personally, I I actually don't think the whistleblower is relevant at all. It doesn't matter at all. There's an investigation underway of whatever it is of anything and everything that could be connected to what he said. There's, he's not 
relevant. Take him out of it. Take his lawyers out of it. Let it go. He doesn't have firsthand information. You don't need it. The only thing you might want to know is who's leaking it, who's behind it. Was it really Adam Schiff all along, or was it actually somebody who was in on the call? I agree. Did that person tell Schiff, and then the Schiff told the whistleblower? Because supposedly there was a meeting with the whistleblower and Schiff before the whistleblower filed the complaint. So did Schiff put him up to it or what, you know, I think that is going to, but I don't care about the whistleblower. It's all a distraction to me. I yeah. want an investigation of Burisma and you can investigate if there's some kind of quid pro quo thing, if you want, but I want an investigation of Burisma. And I think that that's why I think the whistleblower does matter because he worked with Biden. He worked over in Ukraine. I think that that, as Rand Paul said, is reason is more reason for there to be an investigation into Burisma and into Ukraine. There should yes, and and maybe the whistleblower can come out as part of that. But as part of the impeachment thing, I don't think it's important. And I and I just wanted to read while it's fresh. What maybe it's not fresh. It was from Saturday. The the Republicans, according to Jim Jordan, a representative, requested a list of witnesses for the impeachment hearings. I want to read that quick list uh, and then tell you I wanted to add a few people, and then I, I think we can move on. I don't want to spend too much more time on this. He wants Devin Archer. I'm super excited about that because Devin Archer is the fraudster who whose conviction was overturned by the, the judge who was the wife of the of one of Mueller's number twos. So Devin Archer, Hunter Biden, Alexandra Chalupa, I think she's a DNC chick. David Hale, uh, was he a whistleblower, David Hale? I don't know. Tim Morrison, I forget who that is. Nellie Orr, I don't know. Ambassador Volker, he was already there. And the whistleblower and their sources. So we were going with those weird pronouns again. <laughs> and I, uh, I should have looked to those people where they all ring bells, but there's so much... There's so so many names flying around that it's hard to keep track of, which, of course, is what they want. So they they say quid pro quo is confusing. They're being confusing. Absolutely. On purpose, too. And Hunter Biden, they want Hunter Biden, and the Democrats are trying to stop that from happening, which is absurd. Hunter Biden's been at the center of all of this. He should absolutely be on that list. Well, they don't want this to be about Burisma. They want this to be about Trump in this cordoned off little thing. And I don't. I want it to. It'll be worth all this nonsense if we can get to the bottom of that nonsense. Agree. Which, which is why I want them to add to the list Uncle Jim Biden, Chris Hines, Carrie's stepson, James Bulger, the nephew of Whitey Bulger, their partner, and Alan Stanford, the the mega fraudster who who was tangled up with Jim and Hunter. I want those guys. I I want to get the bottom to get to the bottom of this corruption far and wide. I'd like to throw in Jeff Sucker, Brian Stelter. Some of these people who've been spreading blatant propaganda oh, to people. Oh, I have to. This is an opportunity to switch gears a little bit to one of my other must-get-tos, which is Tulsi Gabbard's lawyers want an apology from Hillary for what she said about Tulsi regarding Russia. Yeah. Now, I didn't realize all Russia really said was there, and I know you know this. I remember you telling me, but didn't register, that she said, one of the people in the 2020 Democrat slate for whatever, not uh, running for the nomination, is being groomed as a third-party candidate and is a favorite of the Russians. Yeah. So Tulsi's lawyer says she should say she should apologize. She defamed Tulsi. She knew it wasn't true. But these are very vague allegations. It would be impossible to prove truth or non-truth. Yeah. 
true or uh, Hillary's state of mind, all this stuff. So, but here is another example. It's like the fourth example that I've seen in a week of people talking about defamation suits. Yeah. Okay. And then Trump tweeted something about the Kentucky governor. Remember I told you the Kentucky governor is not conceding. He wants like a re-canvassing or whatever their next step of scrutiny is on the election. Uh And that the Democrat is saying he's won. And I don't know if he really did. Well, Trump tweeted, he actually tweeted, uh, all I did so with one rally by me at the end of the campaign, I lift the poll numbers of Kentucky Governor Matt Bevin by 19 points. He just misses. And every other Republican in the Commonwealth wins big. He completely validates the idea right there that Bevin lost. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. said he was losing all along. Then I gave him a bump, 19 points. He still loses. Everybody else wins. He really validates that BS meme. And then there was other, but the reason I'm bringing that up is that there was people urging Bevin to back down because what he was actually doing by calling the, the saying there were irregularities in the voting was, it was defamatory or in some way criminal. So I see all this defamation stuff as morphing into the kind of nuisance suit that patents are. That's like in big tech, even if they know you rightfully own a patent, they don't want you competing with them. They don't even need your patent, but they don't want you to be able to use it. So they sue you out of existence. And even if you win, you're broke. Yeah. Similarly, I think big media or whoever wants to control big media and suppress people like us are encouraging this idea that defamation cases can be used if you say something that's really an opinion. You know what I mean? They're really, these are opinions that we're talking about are very, very sketchy defamation cases, and they're encouraging it. They're really bringing it to the fore, and I think that they are going to be used as nuisances to keep independent media from competing with the big bucks incumbent mega media. Yeah, that's a good point because they wouldn't be able to afford the lawsuits. Yeah, they, it'll just run you out of business. What can you do? What You know what I mean? What can you do? You can stab a Trump float. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's the story with that? Well, I thought you – the um, speaking of the whistleblowers, though, do you still think Bolton is one of the whistleblowers? Is he going to testify in the impeachment, or what's his story? I think he's probably going to testify, yeah. And I think – yeah, he could be one of the whistleblowers, absolutely. And whatever Bolton testifies, his agenda is seems to be war, so – Whatever talking points he pushes out, if he does testify, they're going to be going towards that point. And he has a new book being released, which is what you do when you leave the White House or you leave any government agency over the past few years. You immediately have a book deal. And if you're in the White House still and you get to be anonymous, which maybe that's Bolton, maybe it's Kellyanne Conway, who knows. Nikki Haley just came out with a book, too. She's doing a book tour, making it sound like Kelly and Tillotson were – Plotting a coup. And all this does, by the way, is reinforce the fact that these people are getting rich on both sides off of the American public. Absolutely. They're, you're paying for your own brainwashing. It makes yeah. me nuts. Yeah. And oppression. All these interviews they do are advertising. These interviews they do are oh, advertising yeah, they, for their books. Yes. The content is the commercial. I remember just snapping to that, and it's pathetically obvious once you realize.
So, yeah, what about the Trump float? Well, there's an interesting story. Alabama played LSU in college football this past weekend. LSU won 46 to 41, and Trump went to the game. He got a well-received ovation. However, outside, a bunch of people had set up a protest with one of those 30-foot-tall, 20-foot-wide Trump baby floats Mm -hmm. that originated in the U.K. originally. I remember it. I was there. I saw it. There was a guy named Hoyt Hutchinson who went down to the float, and he stabbed it to death. And apparently this was a plan he had. He didn't just do it rashly. He did it with foreknowledge because he had told, he had done a live stream on Facebook prior to that. And on the live stream, he said to watch out that he's going to be causing some ruckus down at the game and to watch out for the news, right? So he went down there, and he stabs the float. Wait, he he, he gave foreshadowing that he was going to cause trouble at something where Trump was known to be going to? Yes. But this guy's a right. Trump My supporter. guess is that they would— I don't care. You know, in real life, they would be at your house before you, before, they would read the keystrokes before you hit enter, is my guess. I don't know. Well, I'm exaggerating. This this guy was not, he didn't say, he said he's going to cause some ruckus down at the game, watch the news. And he's a Trump supporter, and he went down there, and he stabbed it to death, and he got arrested, and his charges ended up costing him, like, I think it was a couple of thousand dollars to get out of jail. And the point, the reason I'm bringing the story up is because we see this all the time now. It's become a way of life, a way to make money for people. He has since then raised $41,000, far exceeding his goal of $6,000 on his GoFundMe campaign. And on the GoFundMe campaign, that he set up. It was called Restitutions for the Baby Trump Stabber. And it said, Hoyt made sure our beloved president didn't have to see this disrespectful balloon on the streets of T-Town today. And as I said, he's made $41,000 as of now. And the Trump float, the reason the Trump float was there, because a competing GoFundMe that was set up before that (laughs) raised money, raised $7,000 to bring the Trump float there. And the point is, it pays to engage in the culture war, and people know this. That this guy has made a year's salary for a lot of people in one incident of stabbing a baby Trump float, and this is going to happen. People know that if they troll the other side publicly, if they, it, it, you got to be left or right. You can't be in the middle. If you troll the other side publicly, you can set up a GoFundMe, and you can make a whole bunch of money. People are going to be doing these stunts left and right. I used to want to say, hey, dude, I'll give you 50 bucks if you go do this as a joke. Now you can scale that, and you can make a living by being a troll. That reminds me of that Quartz article we read about the advent of Google and why the government wanted it. They wanted private money to fund this this complex surveillance mechanism and and it's the same thing with like the cia and other things like where they take or tax-exempt foundations they take government money or government subsidy or uh they double their money by not having paid taxes and they use it to manipulate you they use it they use your own money and i mean i'm not saying this guy wasn't genuine but it's set up gofundme was probably set up i wouldn't be surprised if it was set up for this yeah, people do it all the time. Every time there's a stunt, every single time there's a political but I, my stunt. My guess that is it was news. foreseeable. It was foreseeable that that's how GoFundMe would be used. I mean, I can just imagine a document 
from 10 years ago or five years ago or whatever of the government saying, oh, CIA, like in QTEL, saying, hey, we're going to cede this because we could use it for political activism. Yeah, it's true. I don't have a problem with it. People wanting to pay people to do whatever. Although I'm kind of like, is this what people want? Is is this what we need to make $40,000 over the weekend? I got to go stab a baby truck for (laughs) Why are we we doing all this work, Pinkley? That seems a lot easier to me to spend a night in jail and stab a baby (laughs) Trump float to death. In the name of p- political partisanship, and another another uh, you know capitalism at its finest aspect to that is I know someone who sells those baby floats, not the big giant oh ones, but they gosh. saw the people bought them, so they started making <laughs> little smaller ones and they sell them. So there is money to be made if you do if you create you do a, a very divisive partisan act or you sell a divisive partisan product. What's going to be the alternative to it? What's going to when you're at two when you're at the Maidan and one side is has baby Trump baby floats? What's the other side going to have? Cag hats. I kind of want it's, Kang from The Simpsons. Yeah, Kang to be the Cag symbol of Cag. Keep America great. Yeah, I guess because Kang was president once. Who's going to run Simpsons. against Trump? Is gonna that that that's what I'm looking forward to is once we finally get the nominee. Oh, I hate pivoting to the opposition. I mean, I hate to you know. That's that's how that's what that's what I'm saying. That that's what works here. This is what where people are getting money is when they just do the opposition. Of it'll uh, have to be someone in a pantsuit. That that seems to be a good way to make fun of chicks. (laughs) Yeah. So next, yeah, I want to hear about what's going on with the dating apps. Well, the dating profiles that people are swiping on might not actually be human, according to a new article. And I think this is something that we know. I think we know that some of these profiles on these dating platforms aren't real people or they're people pretending to be someone that they're not. However, Match.com is now being accused by the Federal Trade Commission, who has initiated a lawsuit against Match, alleging that the company has unfairly exposed consumers to the risk of fraud and engaged in other allegedly deceptive and unfair practices. And the suit claims that Match.com and others, Match, which owns Tinder, they are tricking non-paying users into purchasing subscription accounts through email notifications that will allow them to message these people that they believe are real people. So they get a message, and in order to reply to the message, they have to sign up for a pay account. And as it turns out, many of these profiles are malicious bots that are intending to gather information or are just manipulating them into paying their money to try and get a date or whatever with someone who's not even a real person. And people are getting defrauded because they don't realize that these are bots. So there's millions of dollars that people are spending collectively. Yeah. And it goes to what you've spoken about a lot, where people have these these created person these bots and stuff yes. that don't even exist that they're reacting yeah. to and they're spending their money and now they're being sued for it, and there's being legislation. They're saying we need to have more legislation. Oh, okay. So I saw I saw the original article. I saw this article a long time ago, so I figured there not a long time ago, a couple months ago. So I figured there was an update, and you're telling me they want now to do what? They, they want, want to, to legislate. They say when oh. they have these platforms, especially dating platforms that use these messaging apps that are prone to being bots to respond to, that yeah. they need to have more regulation Ugh. so people are protected from this. And that kind of folds in with this other story that has come out recently about this new technology, which is basically the deep fake of writing, where it can take a sample of somebody's writing and it can create a manifesto out of thin air that sounds allegedly like that person's voice, like that person would write, so somebody could be accused of it. I know we all remember the New Zealand manifesto that seemed kind of like it might 
it, it was, it was the El Paso little, one was absolutely wrong. One. Yeah, so now you have this technology that can create – a lot of times when you see bots, you can tell it's a bot because it just – it seems robotic, yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously. I've read – anytime, like, Google a celebrity's net worth or bio, if there's no bio in existence, it gets created for you by a bot. I You can read – it happens right. all the time. So – the goal for these technologies is, are going to be to make it to where you can't distinguish it from what the person would say. So people, their writing can be framed. You can create bots online that seem more real. So along with the deep fake technology to look out for, we have the deep fake writing technology to look out for. And I would say I've always thought this was a reason not to allow Edward Snowden's panopticon threats to chill you. I'm like, look, they're going to say you said whatever it is they want to say you said. Regardless of if right. you said it or not. Yeah, so yeah. Don't, they're going to make up your email. So email whatever you want, you know. But, I mean, I don't actually go I, – I basically have that philosophy. However, there is always a risk. And I will say the thing with the AI that's so important is that people are clearly swayed by how many people agree. Like once the actors – well, dozens of people accused – when you have that AI ability, you can generate entire flocks around a person that will yes. really influence them. That's why it matters that it's robotic because it's infinitely scalable. And that is also an argument to balance screen time and screen interactions with real face-to-face physical human contact. Maybe and, turn the lights down. Yeah, turn the lights down, yeah. have a cigarette, <laughs> and have a lava drink. <laughs> If you don't mind, I would like to let people know, anybody who's interested in World War II type memorabilia or collective stuff, I have a friend who is auctioning off or trying to unload some of her (laughs) World War II era life magazines. Some are out, some before and after D-Day. I think it's between 1940 and 1945. They're really cool. I was looking through them this weekend. And, very appropriate for Veterans Day. Yeah, yeah. Very yes, yes, yes. Great point. And there's some with the generals are on the cover of some of them, and the ads are so interesting and unique. Like I, one of them, there was a an ad for a women's deodorant, and it was just really provocative. <laughs> it was really provocative. Yeah, it's really, especially really interesting back then. stuff. Yeah. So I'll I'll link that in the show notes if anybody wants to check it out if you're interested. And you can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. We will talk to y'all tomorrow.